Neurobiologics proudly presents Season 2 of Coffee with Dr. Stewart. This show will provide our listeners with up-to-date medical information from a leading neurotologist and neuromean specialist. With Dr. Stewart's broad medical knowledge, we will discuss how he helps his patients with issues such as ADD, migraines, hormones, sleep, fatigue, methylation, autism, genetic mutations, and nutritional protocols. I am your host, Kara Stewart-Mullins, and I invite you to sit back, grab your favorite beverage or cup of coffee, and let's have Coffee with Dr. Stewart. Well, good afternoon, everyone. We are so excited to be starting season two of Coffee with Dr. Stewart. I am your host, Kara Stewart Mullins, and of course, the man of the half hour, Dr. Stewart, Kendall Stewart. Oh, my gosh. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing fine, Kara. Again, remember, we are brother and sister. He's my older brother, so he gets a little little sarcastic with me at sure. times, but I think I think it's okay. I can deal with it. I've been dealing with it my whole life, so... Dr. Stewart, we did 13 episodes in season one. Mm-hmm. It was awesome. Right. We haven't done a show in eight months. Wow. So fill me in a little bit what you've been up to. A lot of people uh, ask that question. Wow, a whole lot, actually. Um, we basically have been um, going through a new project that was very exciting. Um, basically, to make a long story short, back in late 2012, a new genetic project uh, was finished. And that was one where... Uh, all the researchers who were gene specialists decided to put all their data into a single mm-hmm. database. And 1,096 of those genes actually turned out to be enzymes that we were very interested in. Okay. So basically, in beginning in about 2013, we took the data, and I started parsing through it. As and usual. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and just like a geek biochemist. And what happens is we basically have identified between 35 and 40 genes that are very, very important to understanding all the chemistry that we've been talking about. And you're talking about if they have a mutation on them, correct? Correct. Okay. These are called single nucleotide polymorphisms, which are SNPs for short. And what that means is that there is a wild type, which is the normal type of that enzyme. Mm -hmm. And then we essentially have a group of things where certain differences are found in that enzyme from how they're coded, which can code for either no change in the enzyme function or for significant changes in the and enzyme And that's, we talked about that on episode 13, the genetic mutation mm-hmm. episode of mm-hmm. last season. So I know that we're going to get a lot into this, and I know you're going to throw a lot of genetic stuff in as sure. we go. Mm-hmm. Today we're going to talk about hormones, but again, I know that has a lot to do with the genetic coding, Always. and if you got a mutation on this and this. Um, I'm going to give you a real uh, brief recap on Dr. Stewart. You know, he's a neuramine specialist. He's board certified in otolaryngology, head and neck surgery. He's an otologist, neurotologist, basically, a.k.a. skull-based surgeon. No longer does surgery. He's on the healing path for his patients. So, Dr. Stewart, I just recapped on season one, but methylation is something that's kind of at the core of our show, right? Right. Okay, so give me just a brief recap for the audience, because we will be using this term again on probably every episode. So give us a brief, quick overview of what methylation is and why it's so important. So methylation really involves uh, the chemical composition change of any any particular chemical. In regular people speak. Correct. So what that means <laughs> is that we're adding a special chemical group to anything. Okay. And that chemical group is called a methyl group, and it stands for one carbon and three hydrogens. And basically what that does is that changes the ability of this uh, molecule, whatever we change, whether it's a vitamin, whether it's a neurotransmitter, we change the ability of it to work in different places. So basically to get into the body. Correct. So it's one of the carbon structures that basically allows us to use certain vitamins in different places in the body. And you always talk about B12 and folate. Because mm-hmm. those, like the folic acid that's in our foods and a lot of supplements, they, right. if we have a mutation, 
a methylation mutation. Well, in a we methylation mutation, there's all kinds of methylation mutations now. And basically, we have to take folic acid. And the way the body works is it puts it through a step plus processes, basically several steps to create the vitamin that we want, which is the active form of folic acid called 5-methyltetrahydrofolate. Okay. And then methyl B12. And then methyl B12. So we, have to, we know now that there are actually seven steps that a folic acid has to go through. Wow. And those seven steps create the final end product. So if we have a weakness in any of those steps, we don't create as much of the end product. And then we become deficient. Correct. Okay. All right. So if everybody got that quick recap on methylation, that is a keyword that we use. Um, the reason why I picked hormones today to talk to Dr. Stewart, you know, he's going to say, oh, I'm not a, you know, officially a hormone specialist specialist, but I know that this is a big part of his practice because you got to fix the hormones to a lot of times recover the patient, right? <clears throat> so, and this was the number one request for um, from our listeners of what they wanted you to talk about. Okay. So we're going to start with two things. Okay. We're going to talk about boys and men, and mm-hmm. we're going to talk about women. But first, just tell us what hormones do in general for people. I know well, that's a big question. Well, hormones essentially are signaling molecules. They basically go from one place and they tell another part of the body to do something. And so there's all types of hormones. Uh, You have thyroid, you have steroids of various types, you have um, transmitting hormones, you have all these different things, but they're basically just known, hormones should just be known as a signaling molecule that goes to a certain place and tells that cell or that structure to do something different. Okay. And they're absolutely necessary for health. Absolutely. And when all... All organisms, whether you're a plant, whether you're an animal, whether you're a person. Oh, interesting. And so hormones really are not just what people think, which is just testosterone and progesterone and estrogen. estrogen. That's what everybody (laughs) talks about in hormone specialists. But what happens is those are all necessary elements to make our bodies function properly. Okay. Well, then let's start with the men first. Okay. So I've heard you say that there is an epidemic in young men today with like testosterone levels. Okay. So like recently a family member of ours, 17 was falling asleep at the table, you know, was sleeping all the time. We thought, Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh, he's staying up to like five o'clock in the morning and he can't stay awake during the day, but we sent him down to you, got this blood work. And what did you find that his testosterone levels were just nothing. Were nothing. And a 17 year old boy. Correct. Like that, I find that odd. I mean, well, some people would say that he may just be a late bloomer, all that type of stuff. What I'm going to tell you is that uh, in order for you to kind of go through the puberty changes, it really doesn't take that much testosterone. Okay. Okay. You can actually grow hair in the right places and start to develop. But the long and the short of it is you want to make sure that we have a reasonable amount of the hormone there. So we have these things called normal ranges, which are basically bell curves of the community. Okay. That's for blood work. That's for blood work. And so we we follow this bell curve, which is the 80% with the 10% that are above the norm and 10% below the norm. We kind of leave those out as outliers. So basically, blood work is just a smattering or a, a trend for the entire community. Okay. You understand? And so most people who are going to be active and want to do things, you want them at least at the 50th percentile if you can. Okay. Now, the problem is uh, what we have noticed as a general trend is that testosterone insufficiency in men is becoming much, much more common. Because I know you see a lot of athletes, professional, non-professional, and a lot of teenagers. And so this is like a common thread across the board. Correct. And we're not really sure why we're seeing this change. I mean, I have. Yeah. Opinions. What's your opinion? I okay. know. I, I think I know what your opinion is, but I like to hear well, it. What we're learning is that there are lots of chemicals in our environment that have interruptive capabilities. And okay. in fact, the one that everybody's probably heard of most is BPA. In plastic bottles. Bisphenol A. And bisphenol A is what we call a phthalate. 
and a phthalate is something that is found in organic molecules like plastics. And basically what happens... You mean the hot bottle waters that sit out in the Texas heat? Exactly. (laughs) So the problem is, is that uh, plastics are made and stretched by using heat. And then once they get hot again, we can release specific chemicals. So lots of people, including myself, believe that we obviously... Once a bottle gets over 100 degrees mm-hmm. uh, in the Texas heat, you will release phthalates into the bottle. And that's why we have all these different BPA types of plastics out there. The BPA-free, yeah. Now, that means BPA-free. It doesn't mean phthalate-free. Ah, good point mm-hmm. there. I did not know that. And So know, what happens if you keep drinking this bottle of water with these phthalates that are well, released or other things? Phthalates are apparently, according to most chemists, are actually estrogenizers. Ah, that leads into my next question right. with men. <laughs> now, we're starting to also notice that there's some interrupters of some sort, and I can't really uh, theorize on those yet because I really haven't looked at it as closely as I should, but clearly we're having trouble taking cholesterol and making pregnenolone and pregnenolone to making the progesterones, and that's the pathway along the steroid hormone okay. uh, production. Okay, Well, I guess that leads them because this is a common question and a concern by a lot of moms that we talk to, Mm -hmm. you know, with the men and the phthalates and the BPAs and then the estrogen dominance that happens in the men. And forgive me for my bluntness, but the man boobs and these are not overweight kids or adults. These are guys that are in good shape, but they have. Man well, you know, I mean, you never what? know what's going on. The natural chemistry tells us that, especially Northern European men, Eastern European men, we tend to carry a little bit more body fat okay. as a general rule. That does not mean that by any stretch of the imagination we're heavier than other ones. But what we tend to do is we tend to estrogenize a little bit more. The natural conversion of progesterone to DHEA to testosterone and then on to estrogen mm-hmm. is part of the chemical pathway. So believe it or not, all women who make estrogen make testosterone and then convert it to estrogen. They just convert it very quickly. Okay. Whereas men are not supposed to convert so much. So we are seeing um, men that tend to estrogenize more. But And remember, does that create that in the chest area? It does. Remember, it's always a balance. Okay. Remember, if you have more estrogen than testosterone or you have an imbalance to it, you're going to have the hormone show some type of side effect. Okay. And that side effect, I mean, what what can you do about it? I mean, first of all, there's no guessing game, right? You need to get your blood work done. Well, you get your blood work done because the thing is, what you got to realize in everything we talk about, and it's something that you're going to run into all kinds of physicians and people who think this is all hogwash, but this is very significant science. It's what Mm -hmm. we call molecular biology or biochemistry. And basically, if you don't understand it, it does sound like a bunch of hogwash. Yeah. Okay. But what it really involves is what do we know about how a specific molecule in the body gets formed and and about its actions and how can we manipulate it? Now, we do have natural things and also... um, Bioidentical? Well, we have natural things that can block estrogen. Okay. So a lot of men... Like DIM, like like, what I take, mm -hmm. DIM. DIM is very well known to block estrogen conversion. And uh, we also have prescription agents that block estrogen conversion. We use a lot of those in breast cancer and other things like that. Okay. But you can clearly interrupt these pathways by different chemical and natural methods. It's just you want to know what you're doing and always want to, to verify everything. Okay. Yeah, I mean, that's mm. the, all the facts that I read, you know, on hormones and stuff. I mean, everybody's like, just do not guess. You need to go get... Well, you have to. Yeah. You can't just put a, on a testosterone cream because you're tired. No. No. Because what you got to understand, too, is that God makes recipes. Mm-hmm. And so when you put more of one hormone in, you're going to start using up more of another hormone. Ah. So thyroid and 
and anabolics like testosterone, progesterone, estrogen, they work together. Yeah. So if I put more testosterone in and I don't have enough thyroid, next thing I know, I'll be thyroid deficient. Because well, I've, I've heard you talk about your professional athletes, you know, you know, they get their testosterone prescription and sometimes they take too much. And what, mm-hmm. what are some of the side effects of that? Well, we got to be careful on pro athletes. So I don't want to miss. Well, okay. That. Let's okay. just say athletes or men in general. <laughs> about, We're talking about, about men here. How about ex-athletes? Okay. Yeah. There we go. So a lot of them just want to have what they what they had before when they're younger. You know, and exercise induces steroid production, and so the whole idea is we have to balance everything. So you have to, if you're going to add one thing, you got to make sure that you have the other supporting cast in place. Yeah. Okay, which means that if I'm going to have a car that's running right, I have to have gas, but I also have to have oil and washer fluid and power steering fluid and yep. all this other stuff to make sure it works right. Well, I know that that 17-year-old from our family, you put a little sublingual together with like three different things, and it was like a miracle. Yeah, so we Like, don't, he was a different person in a week. Yeah, we don't have to put testosterone back in. What we can do now with certain agents like HCG, for instance, human chorionic gonadotropin, we can actually tell the testicles to actually make more testosterone. Interesting. So we're actually, we're not necessarily synthetically replacing it. We're just giving the body the signal natural. to do what it's supposed to. The natural. All right. Well, we're going to wrap this half, uh, this first portion up, and we will be right back with Coffee with Dr. Stewart. All right, and we are back with Coffee with Dr. Stewart. I am your host, Kara Stewart-Mullins. Season two, episode one, hormones. It sounds so daunting. But Dr. Stewart mm-hmm. is trying <laughs> trying to help us figure it out. I mean, myself, as I always say this, gosh, I'm just a poster child for every issue that you treat. I <laughs> had, you know, 10 years ago when I finally got back in Austin with my brother around and I felt horrible and I wasn't losing any weight and he took my horns and he goes, you know what? You have the hormones of an 80-year-old woman. And yeah. I was like, well, I feel like an 80-year-old exactly. woman. <laughs> so he did his magic nutritionally and natural hormone-wise. And uh, you know what? I feel pretty darn good. And I got pregnant really quick. So sure. I don't know if that had anything to do with it. That's another show in itself. But that's my story. And uh, so it, it is it is fixable. Um, Dr. Stewart, we talked about men in the beginning, and that could be a long conversation, too. But let's get into women. Because sure. women, you always think of hormones, and you usually think of women, because we're all worried about perimenopausal, menopause, and postmenopausal. And you hear so many things that women are doing naturally, bioidentical. But the, one of the main concerns is always thyroid. Sure. You know, mm-hmm. our family runs deep, a thyroid condition. Um, I've been on thyroid medication since I was like 21. Sure. Every woman I talk to is on some kind of thyroid medication. So what what is going on with thyroid these days or for well, years? You know, clearly we've, we've known for a long time that women get into thyroid problems probably on the order of 20 times greater than men do. Really? And there's been a lot of theories around that. But basically, the number one cause of thyroid problem in women, especially at a younger age, is really what we call Hashimoto's thyroiditis. Okay. And that's basically an autoimmune disease where, the, the, for some reason, the immune system decides that the thyroid is some type of foreign structure and decides to attack it. So if you have hypo or hyperthyroidism, you're going to have Hashimoto's? No. Hashimoto's, a lot of times when the thyroid gets attacked, will become hyper for a short period of time. Okay. But eventually it will lead to hypo or too low of thyroid. So I, I've never been diagnosed with that, but would that be something that you would say that I... Yeah, you have it. Oh, well, yeah. thank you. Okay. <laughs> 
what that means is you made antibodies that we can find. We're called antithyroglobulin antibodies. Okay. okay. And other antibodies that basically show us that the thyroid is actually under attack by the immune system. And you're saying that most of the women out there like that have a thyroid, because, you know, I always thought mm-hmm. it's hereditary. Mom mm-hmm. had it. Grandma had well, it. Hereditary is in the fact that your immune system is overly aggressive. Okay. And that is hereditary. Correct. And so, so autoimmune diseases tend to run in families. Okay. And so this type does tends to run in families, too. So now when people are on, like, armor thyroid and all these, you know, thyroid um, prescriptions, I mean, is that the right way to go? Well, sure, because if you don't have enough, see, thyroid is really an interesting molecule because what it does is it works with steroids that we've talked about before. And basically what their purpose is to go to a cell and tell the cell to make more energy. Okay. So basically they go in and they tell the mitochondria and the nucleus and this this cell to, hey, wake up and let's work at a nice energetic state. So if we don't have enough being told to the cell, then the cell doesn't do what it's supposed to. So we want to keep it at a good level. Um, to, in order to keep your cells metabolizing and working well. That's why women who get into low thyroid gain weight. Yep. They don't heal very well. They get into all these secondary effects because the cell is not being told to produce energy and do its thing. But you hear a lot of women say that, oh, I went to my doctor and he said it was fine, but okay. I know I've got dry skin, I'm losing my hair, I'm sure. overweight, this and so that. here's the big controversy. Okay. okay, give it to me. So we have this normal range, Okay. That is a That's normal the blood range. work range that the is, labs give us. That is a normal range over the population. Okay. That does not mean it's right for you. Okay. And if you, I say that it's created for young doctors not to make a mistake. Okay. But when you, when you really start to treat people, you're treating people. Mm-hmm. Now, there are two groups, of, two factions of people. There are factions of doctors who say you have to stick to the normal range. And if you're in the normal range, you're normal. But I will tell you clinically that it does not work out for most people. Well, they told me I was in the normal range, and you looked Correct. at it, and you said no. Right. No. Now, there's two forms of thyroid. There's T4, and then it has to be converted to T3, which is 10 times more bioactive. Okay. And that conversion is actually done by an enzyme called deiodinase. And they used to just check one of those, right? Well, there's a whole controversy around <laughs> it. Okay? I like to pull this out of you. I know you <laughs> So T4 has to be converted to T3. Many people have trouble converting T4 to T3. Okay. Now, typical endocrinologists, most of them, uh, and doctors, will actually replace with Synthroid, which is a prescriptive level. For? Uh, for T4. Okay. But if you don't convert it to T3, which is called T3 or low T3 syndrome, you really have a very poor activity, even though your thyroid looks normal in the T4. Yeah, because you put me on a combo of a T3 and a T4. Yeah, now, most endocrinologists do not like that combo. Okay. Uh, they like synthetics, and they'll use things like, oh, all pigs are different, and there's no consistency to that medicine, et cetera, et cetera. But many, many doctors choose to use these combo formulas because they contain both T4 and T3. Okay. Now, in prescriptive medicines, we can do the same thing. We can put T3 in with Cytomel. Uh-huh. But That's what you have me on, yeah. And you have two different medications that are doing it. But you have to pay attention to both the T4 level, which is the pool, and the T3 level, which is the more active form. You want a nice combination of both. And I think some doctors are, I mean, a lot of doctors are coming around as this research is coming out. Now, the conversion using deiodinase uses the trace mineral selenium. Yep. And so many, many people who have poor T3, if we'll just put them on a little bit of selenium. And that's a mineral. That's a mineral. Okay. A trace mineral. Then they'll tend to convert it a little bit better. So that's like you have to have that mineral to... Mm help with thyroid so basically there's no one way to do it now the bigger issue is obviously i deal with a population of patients that are skewed mm-hmm. meaning they're not they're sick yeah and there's another triggering mechanism it's called the 
TSH or the thyroid stimulating hormone, and it's supposed to tell the thyroid to work. So many doctors will just look at that, mm-hmm. but they're making a bad assumption that the brain is actually in the pituitary is actually normal in those people. And we found out many of the patients who have methylation deficiencies mm-hmm. who can't make enough dopamine, which is what triggers TSH, their TSH cannot be trusted. So when you support the methylation pathway with the right nutraceuticals, then you're also helping the thyroid. So what, well, yes, in theory, yes. Yes. But what I typically tell people is if you're checking the thyroid, you need to take check TSH, free T4, free T3. Okay. Because you want to know where the whole pathway is. Don't assume that just because one of them looks normal that the pathway is normal. Okay. Yeah. You you always talk about a lot of pathways because if, you know, you're going down the glutathione pathway and if halfway down it doesn't, something is wrong. And now is there a mutation for thyroid that you can get on your genetic testing? There are some specific haplotypes. We call them haplotypes. They're specific... um, family groups okay that have a higher risk of it okay so you can see a risk of thyroid which is just like mom and you yeah who have this you have that haplotype ah so don't there's not one that says yeah your thyroid's going to be screwed up okay okay i gotcha now the last thing is is that some people recently are starting we've always wondered why do women get it so much more mm-hmm. uh, some people have long suspected birth control pills as okay. the cause of that and so there's been some recent uh, studies out on the Mirena IUD mm-hmm. and the incidence of Hashimoto's thyroiditis. With oh, great. That's what I had for five years. Correct. <laughs> so the answer is I don't think that research is definitive by any stretch of the imagination. Okay. It's been a long speculation okay. because we see it so much more in women than men. But uh, I don't think the factions out the, the the right answer now is just make sure you check it. Okay. And make sure that you have a doctor who also. So if I put more thyroid into you, you're going to need more progesterone. You're going to ah. need more pregnenolone. You're going to need more of other things to keep up with the thyroid. Well, that work. leads to my next question. Okay. So, you know, you fixed me 10 years ago. I've been on thyroid medication for a long time. Lately, haven't been feeling as well. I'm 43. I'm not quite perimenopausal, but recently checked my progesterone levels and it was again very very low sure you put me on a little compound that i I take in the evening so Mm -hmm. what's again what's going on with progesterone in women because that's like it's either estrogen or progesterone that they're always trying to fix i didn't put you on it i had another doctor put you on oh okay yeah you did (laughs) (laughs) don't get me in trouble okay (laughs) that was my general practitioner never mind i'm sorry i don't treat family members yeah okay so the whole idea is um Basically, we know that we have to have a nice balance. It's like a recipe. Mm-hmm. And so if you have a nice recipe, what you do have is you have a specific um, balance to everything that's in the body. It's just like I tell people, especially husbands. Husbands are always wondering why their wives are having to take all this stuff. And I'm like, do you have a favorite recipe that your wife makes? Yeah. Well, what if she left out a couple of key ingredients? Would it taste as good? And the answer is no. So there's no one... There's no one silver bullet okay. for what you're looking for. There's always a relationship that has to go on. Okay. So a lot of times if you put a woman on thyroid, what you're going to have to do as a doctor is come back in a few months and relook at the other hormones to make sure you haven't created another imbalance. Oh, I gotcha. I gotcha. Well, that makes a lot of sense. Um, I appreciate I mean, I had several more questions, but we are running out of time. Um Young or old, you always need blood work, period, with hormones. You have to. You cannot guess. Okay. That is the one thing. And that's why genetics and laboratory values and whether they're saliva or whether they're blood, it doesn't really matter. You can work off of either ones, but you have to have proof of what you're doing. Yep. Because you got to have 
object objectivity of this or you're going to make a mistake. Yep. The main thing I kept seeing is not something to play around with. A good doctor needs, you need to seek a, a solid diagnosis and talk to a doctor who understands it. Correct. All right, everybody. Well, I thank you for joining us. For more videos or product information, you can visit neurobiologics.com. And next week, we're going to have a special guest, a Dr. Emily Gutierrez. She is from Neuronutrition, very smart lady from John Hopkins. She's going to, to talk to us about naturally uh, helping those that are suffering from ADD, ADHD. So join us next week on Sundays at 530. And everybody, have a blessed and happy Sunday. This show is intended for general information and entertainment purposes only. Dr. Stewart serves as the chief science officer and lead formulator for neurobiologics and advises you to consult with your own medical professional on any information given during this programming. This information is not intended to diagnose, treat, or cure any disease or medical condition.